Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Boston Sanctuary since 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the Boston metropolitan area and beyond. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. We're located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets in downtown Boston, Massachusetts. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. I am obsessed with everyday heroism. The more ordinary the hero, the better. I collect their stories. David Barron was finishing his daily walk in a West Palm Beach mall when three-year-old Morgan Scott grabbed the rubber railing of the escalator from the outside and was carried 20 feet above the floor. Horrified bystanders froze. David Barron bounded up the escalator two stairs at a time, grabbed the child's wrist, and hauled her over the side to safety. This everyday hero has two artificial hips and a pacemaker. He is almost 90 years old. Age doesn't stop you from doing things, says David Barron. You don't think, you just do. And here's my favorite line. I had to put on my cape and act. (laughs) Howard University's developmental psychologist Jerome Kagan writes, Although humans inherit a biological bias that permits us to feel anger, jealousy, selfishness, and envy, and to be rude, aggressive, or violent, we inherit an even stronger biological bias for kindness, compassion, cooperation, love, and nurture, especially toward those in need. The sum total of goodness vastly outweighs that of meanness. I am tremendously uplifted by the news that an inbuilt ethical sense is a biological feature of our species. And it turns out that hearing about this natural altruism is a key to inspiring it in others. Here is some of the research and some of the stories. Charles Darwin's scholarly work on emotions is still highly regarded. In 1872, he wrote about empathy as a survival factor. So given that the human brain contains a system designed to attune us to someone else's distress and prepare us to act to help, why don't we always help? It's hard to wade through the conclusions of the zillions of social psychology experiments to make any kind of meaningful conclusion, but author Daniel Goleman says this, the simplest answer may be that modern life militates against it. We largely relate to those in need at a distance. That separation means we experience cognitive empathy rather than immediacy of direct emotional contagion. Or worse, we have mere sympathy, where we feel sorry for the person but do not taste their distress in the least. This more removed relationship weakens the innate impulse to help. 
Scientists Stephanie Preston and Franz de Waal write, in today's era of email communication, frequent moves, and bedroom communities, the scales are increasingly tipped against the automatic and accurate perception of others' emotional state, without which empathy is impossible. Daniel Goleman adds, modern day social and virtual distances have created an anomaly in human living that we now take to be the norm. The separation mutes empathy in the absence of which altruism fails. Here's a sorry story. Um, this is at Princeton Theological Seminary. 40 students are waiting together, and every 15 minutes, one of them is called to go to another building where they will give a short sermon on which they will be graded. Half of the students have been assigned random biblical topics. The other half have been assigned the parable of the Good Samaritan. None of the students knows that they are actually the subject of an experiment on altruism. The route to the place where they'll deliver their sermon passes a doorway in which a man is slumped, groaning in pain. Of the 40 students, 24 zip past. Those who are about to preach on the Good Samaritan are no more likely to stop than the others. Here are the conclusions. <laughs> Interestingly, time matters a lot. Among 10 students who thought they were late, only one stopped. Among 10 who thought they had extra time, six offered help. In order to help, we need time. And in order to build an empathic connection, we need to pay attention. Urban trance is the name given to the self-absorbed state in which many of us walk our city's streets. It's how we navigate the overstimulation. And what jars us out of urban trance? We can do it for each other. Daniel Goldman was headed into the Times Square station in New York's rush hour when, about halfway down, he saw a man sprawled across the concrete stairs. No one seemed to notice. People were literally stepping over his body. Daniel Goldman stopped to see what was wrong. And then something remarkable happened. Immediately, other people stopped, too. Messengers of mercy fanned out. One man went to a hot dog stand to get him some food. A woman scurried to get him a bottle of water. Another summoned a subway patrol officer who radioed for help. And within minutes, the man was revived, eating happily and waiting for an ambulance. He had fainted from hunger there on the subway steps. What made the difference? Just noticing. When Daniel Goldman stopped, other passersby were snapped out of their urban trance. As they gave their attention to the fallen man's plight, they were moved to help. We all have a shift away reflex. It's how we manage our anxiety about seeing yet another person in distress in a city full of distressed persons. But if just one of us can bring ourselves to pay attention, the tide 
will turn. Just hearing about someone lending a helping hand can induce a warm sense of uplift. It's what psychologists call elevation. It doesn't have to be on the Mother Teresa scale. Um, in a study in Japan, for example, people recounted incidents of what they call kando, which is times when the heart is moved, such as seeing a tough-looking gang member give up his seat on the train to an elderly gentleman. Elevation is catching. Because I spent time wandering through countries in which I did not speak the language and might be wandering still if kind souls hadn't stopped to turn my map right side up and point me home, I make a spiritual practice of walking up to tourists who have stopped to try to get their bearings. In less than one minute, each of us can be ambassadors for this great city and change a visitor's experience in a deeply rewarding interaction. I read about a woman whose car was wrecked in a head-on collision and she was pinned in the wreckage with a broken leg. As emergency personnel worked to free her, a passerby whose name she never learned came over to her and knelt by her side. He held her hand and reassured her. It made a huge difference. Because of him, she was not alone with her pain and helplessness and fear. He was, she said, my angel. I experienced elevation, Kondo, in hearing this story. This is a way any of us could make ourselves useful, indispensable even at the scene of an accident. Time, attention, and empathy, perhaps that's all it takes to be an angel. My spiritual companions, once again, we are called as people of spirit to be countercultural. We are called to bound up the escalator stairs after the toddler in distress, artificial hips and all, called to a spiritual practice of spaciousness that will yield the time and attention necessary to break out of our urban trance and break in on others' suffering called to model an end to the shift away response and a beginning to elevation or kondo, that contagious sense of being uplifted by ordinary altruism. With a moment's notice, we could put on our cape and with a moment's kindness, we could change absolutely everything starting with ourselves. How about this? I have a great idea. Let's really shake things up. Let's be everyday heroes. Let's be angels. Amen. <laughs>